Welcome back to Four of a Kind Podcast, where you will learn from real-life experiences of amazing women and male allies, too, who support our mission to increase women's representation in business leadership. You will hear from founders, investors, startups, corporate leaders, and our own journeys, too. We want this podcast to empower you to go start that business, take that big job, and do it with confidence. So join us and exciting guests, and let's figure out what we can do to get there. Hi, everyone. This is Grace, and welcome to this week's episode. Great news. We have another amazing guest today, Anna Rotella, CEO and co-founder of Zbook, which is the first smart platform that helps monetize the long tail of podcasting industry by matching brands with podcasts. Anna, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Grace. Great to be here. So just a quick anecdote on how Anna and I met. I was at a SoGal pitch competition here in New York. I witnessed some pretty, pretty awesome female founders pitch their startups. But I got really excited when I heard about Zbook because it's all about monetizing the podcast industry, which has been experiencing this exponential growth, right? So I came up to her and said, hey, I'd love to talk more about this with you. Anyway, we're also joined by uh, one of my co-hosts, Michelle. I'll let her say hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. So Anna held multiple roles in sales and marketing before moving to entrepreneurship, including working at DaVinci Media and Meltwater Group. She founded Pinecone and Slush Singapore and more recently Zvook after spending time at Antler as an entrepreneur in residence. She obtained her bachelor's and master's of science in economics and business administration from, I'm going to butcher this, La Pinranta University of Technology in Finland and her MBA from Alto University. How did I do? Yeah, very well. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of hockey players in the NHL from Finland, so I think I'm a little versed in Finnish. <laughs> But before we dive into Zvuk, can you just provide a brief walkthrough of your experience from Meltwater all the way through Zvuk? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always knew after I, you know, got my master's in Finland, I knew I wanted an international career, which is why right after I graduated, I moved, you know, abroad. I lived in Germany for a little while and then relocated to Singapore. And that was really when I started working with, uh, with Meltwater, uh, and was my first deep dive into sales. And I knew, you know, going forward that sales was the kind of skills that I really wanted to obtain. I thought I was going to be really great at it. And I've always heard that top CEOs, you know, uh, can sell. All, yeah, can sell. Exactly. <laughs> have a sales background. And, and so I, I ended up doing that for, for three plus years um, in, in Singapore. So, um, you know, working as first sales consultant and then a sales manager for a, a sales media analytic company uh, in Southeast Asia. Um, but after that, after three plus years, I kind of figured like, Well, is this is this all there is working for someone else and you know doing sales and I loved it, but also like what's the next step and what do I really want to do? I was trying to kind of look for other work opportunities, but at the end I kind of realized that this was a great chance to maybe go and try something something on my own. So I quit um, and I for the next year plus I worked. You know, kind of as an independent consultant helping tech companies expand to Southeast Asia, helping them with sales in particular, mm-hmm. um, and kind of getting, getting a little bit more into the startup ecosystem of Singapore, realizing that it was really buzzing. There was a lot of, you know, kind of push towards entrepreneurship from the government, but also just from, 
from um, the people and, and young people, but there wasn't really a platform for a lot of young aspiring entrepreneurs in Singapore to kind of get together yeah. and, and talk and share experiences and maybe for startups to meet investors from outside of Singapore, outside of the region. And so, you know, the idea of, of Slush Singapore came about and you know, a little background of Slush, it actually was started in Finland, you know, now I think about 12 years ago, okay. as a ground-up movement for entrepreneurs. Um, so it's a non-for-profit organization, and in Finland over the past 12 years, it's grown into a huge tech startup event, uh, very well-known in Europe, um, 20,000 attendees every year in Finland from, you know, Silicon wow. Valley, from Asia, from Europe big names, big VCs, unicorn founders, and so on. Uh, and it's just really kind of a celebration of entrepreneurship, really put together by the, gra- the, the, the grassroots community. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so that's something that I thought was could be interesting for Southeast Asia as well. I realized that actually some conversations had already been taking place between Slush and Helsinki and you know Singapore, and I was introduced into those conversations. And I was like, hey, I'll, I'll take this project on. <laughs> I'll, I'll do this. And little did I know what I actually signed up for. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't really... Like, it wasn't a business that was a non-for-profit, but, but everything else about it was really like a startup. So Absolutely. that was my first deep dive into what it's like to start something from scratch yeah. uh, with no money and no team and yeah. nothing. So I completely empathize with the wanting to develop good sales skills. I happen to be in sales in the insurance industry, but and I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you came up with the idea for Zook and uh, how does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, after after running Slash Singapore for three years and kind of being in, you know, among a lot of really inspiring entrepreneurs, I realized that there's no way I'm going to go and like get a corporate job after this. I really need to start something on my own. I want to start my own business. And uh, I was also very aware that starting something on your own is really tough. So I wanted to find a co-founder. And that's how I kind of got into startup generator program called Answer. Uh, which had just started their first location in Singapore. I spoke with their founder and CEO, Magnus, and I was like, hey, I want to start a business. I'm looking for a co-founder, if you know someone. And he said, hey, why don't you come and join the program? And basically what that program is all about is instead of taking startups that have already formed and running them through an accelerator program, they take 100 individuals that you know, aspire to be entrepreneurs, uh, and they kind of put them through a two-and-a-half-month program where you can, you know, have a chance to work with one another, you know, go through a whole bunch of different ideas, validate some of them, and then by the end of two and a half months, there's a bunch of kind of new aspiring startups that then pitch their investment comedy, and they invest in the most promising startups. Um, so I thought, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to go find a co-founder. I went and signed up, and this was a year ago, almost exactly a year ago when I yeah. started. And going through that program, that's how I actually both met my co-founder and came up with the idea for Zook. It's actually a bit of a funny story, and I guess a little bit similar to what you guys are doing right now with the podcast, which is why I was so excited when Grace told me about the podcast, because I met three other uh, founders through the Anthro program, um, you know, three women, very, you know, driven, and we're building, we're all building our, you know, our businesses, uh, and we regularly met up for wine and talk about, you know, <laughs> business and entrepreneurship and leadership and a whole bunch of other things, and we were like, we need to do a side hustle. Let's do something together, and we decided to do a podcast, the four of us. And the first thing we did was we booked uh, a trip, a weekend trip to Bali to record the podcast. 
as you do when you live in Singapore. I feel like we need to do that to Michelle. Yeah, we should have done the first episode in Bali. Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> Although we did go to Miami before we started this, and we actually we didn't actually record the first episode there, but that's kind of how where a lot of the quote quote brainstorming sessions happens. <laughs> well, there you go. Right? <laughs> Over bottles of champagne. That's very true. A lot of parallels there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, and when we decided to do that, we booked the trip, and I said, "Hey, let me get some sponsors on board." I'm surely, you know, there's a lot of brands that would love to sponsor yeah. this. And I went online, and I was really looking for, um, you know, I know that there were so many influencer marketing platforms connecting you with, you know, um, social media influencers, and I was like, surely there's something like that for podcasts. I was looking for that. I didn't find it, but I found a lot of other, you know, articles and studies about just the podcasting industry. That was about the time when Spotify had just acquired、um, Gimlet and Anchor,、mm-hmm. so there was a lot of buzz around this whole industry. So I read way more about it and did a little research and realized that this industry is really picking up. But there's the ways to, you know, monetize it are still very old-fashioned and manual. You have a whole bunch of agencies or companies that have been around for a while that say we'll do this match for you, but you still have to speak to a salesperson, and it's a very manual、mm-hmm. process. And so that's really how the idea for Zoom came about.、I、said, hey, let's build、uh, an AI platform that actually does the matching for you. And what we also learned was. Out of 700,000 podcasts that are out there, only 15% actually monetize. That's a very small percentage, and those are obviously some of your top shows that、yeah. your brands are aware of.、Uh, they have a huge listenership, but there's a long tail of fantastic, good content, a highly engaged audience,、uh, but just no tools for podcasts. To find the brands, or for brands to be aware of these podcasts,、right. and so we decided to build a platform that would actually do that matching based on you know the content and the demographics and so on. But we'd also do smart bundles, right? So if you're a brand and you want to reach a, a certain number of people, instead of you manually trying to find 13 different podcasts to、right. work with, we'll actually make smart recommendations of a bundle that is relevant to your target audience, matches your budget. Yeah. I mean, you can spend a fortune casting your net wide and tapping into one podcast that has millions of listeners and only get five people who would actually engage with your brand. Or you can work with Zvook and use Zvook's platform and an AI to match you up with brands that you know are targeting the audience that you also your brand wants to target. Right. So, so I think it's like super fascinating to me. So that's that's how you help podcasters monetize on their own podcast. But can you touch on the business model for Zvook a little bit? Like, how do you how do you monetize on all these matching that that happens? Yeah. So right now, actually, our business model is very simple. We take、uh, a small、uh, cut on the、um, on the ad spend. Right、uh, through through the platform, so for、okay. all the matches.、Um, and going forward, we're going to be introducing some other,、um, you know, subscription、um, options for brands and agencies to subscribe and to get access to a whole bunch of information. Right now, we're relatively early and relatively、yep. new, so we just want you know brands to. 
go into the platform, familiarize, it's all free for now. Uh, and then obviously you just pay for the ad once the match is done mm-hmm. and then we'll take a cut from there. Podcasters don't pay anything and we yep. really don't want to go to the path where we monetize, you know, the podcast and make them pay because they're content creators, right? You guys are the ones who, you know, create content that people mm-hmm. want to listen to. And so we really want to help the creators and audience storytellers to make money. And at the same time, you know, brands, you know, have big budgets and they have a huge need to actually address the audience and really, especially the niche audience, right? I mean, if you're selling toothpaste, you can probably go and just blast your ad out anywhere because everybody brushes their teeth. But if you're a little bit more, you know, niche, if you have a particular target audience, you may really want to find those exact people and be interested in your in your brand. And we believe that when that matching is done in a, in a way that's relevant, it's not fair and it's not just an ad, it's a, it's a value add to the right. listener as well. And that's really important for us. Yeah. So Grace is our data person. Um, she's like crunching all these numbers and she tells us all the time that the podcast industry is is prime for growth, like exponential growth. Is that one of the ways you foresee your company kind of, I don't want to say riding the tide, but building out an empire alongside that? Absolutely. I mean, right now, if you look at the numbers, the pod, like I said, 15% only of podcasts monetize, but the growth in terms of the listenership is huge. It's 30% every single year, 30% more people. Right now, 90 million Americans listen to podcasts every single month, right? And if you look at the podcasting ad revenue, it's growing at 42% year on year. I mean, show me another industry that grows at yeah. that rate, right? I mean, it's insane. And this is considering that only a very small fraction of podcasts monetize. So we really believe that there's, you know, right now everybody's looking, you know, the, the players right now in the market are looking at some of these top podcasts with, you know, top numbers, millions of listeners, and that's great. But we feel like there's an overlooked segment, which is that long tail. And mm-hmm. it's very clear that not every single podcast is going to be able to monetize. Not everybody even wants to. There are kind of hobbies that just do it out of right. know, passion and there's no need to do that. But there is a good portion of that long tail that is actually able to um, to monetize their content. And what we also want to see, I think, in the industry is not just doing, you know, a 60-second mid-roll ad and whatnot, but you can get all really creative. You can do product placement. You can do native branded content. You can really, uh, you know, kind of share a story, um, you know, as a brand. So there are so many creative ways to do that. Um, and so I think that we're going to be seeing more of that but also more just contextual advertising at scale. Yeah. And and just to add to that and to put things into perspective, right? If you look at the advertising spend on podcasts relative to radio advertising, it's like, um, it's minuscule. It's like 2% or something ridiculous of total radio advertising spend. So if you know that people are moving, switching from radio to, to listening more to podcasts, right? I mean, the, the dollars are going to follow. So Anna, while Singapore has a great startup culture, you kind of touched on that a little bit and shout out to my friends and cousins. Over in Singapore, uh, you decided to found your headquarters in New York City, the Big Apple. I'm sure it was a huge endeavor because moving continents, time zones, cultures, it's just networks, everything just changes. Uh, Can you talk us through your decision process and why you decided it was the right time to move and what you did to minimize the anticipated challenges that you foresaw? 
Yeah, it was actually, I think, when we started really looking into, you know, building Zvook and into this industry, we very quickly realized that obviously the biggest market is in the U.S. Uh, you know, podcast listenership in Southeast Asia is minimal. Uh, uh, and so we kind of along the way, even before we pitched to uh, answer and got our first initial funding, we knew that if we were going to get that funding, we'd have to actually be where the market is. Um, and so two weeks after we got the funding, we were on the plane on our way to <laughs> New York for a few weeks to just do a little test to speak with people and, you know, see if what we're building resonates. And, and you know, it was really interesting. I think those few weeks spent here was, you know, it's a bit, bit of a dipping your toe in the water in a way. It showed us that, yes, what we're building resonates and also very strongly that we have to, uh, you know, be based here. So we went back to Singapore to do a demo day uh, and then last July packed my bags and, and, and came to New York. And the whole idea was to spend here, you know, maybe a month or two and kind of be between Singapore and New York. Uh, and I did have a, a flight ticket back actually to, to Singapore. But, you know, the more you, you we spend time here, uh, the, the more I realized that, you know, if you really want to get this on the ground, um, I at least as a CEO have to be here, uh, talk to people and build the networks, right? Like we came here knowing nobody. I've never lived in the States. I'd been here once before as a tourist wow. two years ago and I knew nobody and no connections nothing and so it was kind of starting everything from scratch everywhere you would go it's like hi I'm Anna and everyone's like who what do you do what's this book how do you even pronounce that like what is it <laughs> who are you guys so and, and it was a huge contrast to Singapore where I had a very wide network of people and even investors and you know just it, it felt like it was my city, um, and so it would have been significantly easier to do something there. And we were kind of joking with my co-founder saying, oh, why, out of all things that we could have built, we started doing something that just didn't have a you know, business prospect in Southeast Asia. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a part of being an entrepreneur, right? Like every entrepreneur is a risk taker. The level of risks you take is, is different for everybody. For me, it was changing my whole life, like leaving everything that I knew, my yeah. whole life and kind of the comfort of, of having lived in Singapore for the past eight years, my friends, everything, packing literally two bags uh, and coming here, living out of like random Airbnb apartments across Brooklyn, you know, taking and, and, and obviously, you know, a lot of financial um, insecurity uh, and just a lot of question marks of is this going to go anywhere? Are we doing mm -hmm. the right things? Who are the people that we should be speaking with? What is it, you know, that we should be doing? So it was like a mix of trying to establish ourselves here, but also just trying to establish what our business really was and how we should go about building it and when should we maybe get some team on board, how much money we should spend on XYZ things, um, just all of that. So the whole last year and especially the latter part was just a one big adventure and sometimes I would wake up and be like, what am I doing here? Where am I? What is this thing? Is this some alternate universe that I'm living in? So it was exciting, but it was also really, really um, tough. But I think at some point you just go to, to, you reach a point where you say, well, I've gone this far. It doesn't make sense to turn back now. Although I feel like it's hard and it's challenging and there were moments that I was feeling very lonely for the first time in my whole life, right? Kind of like, what am I doing here? This is a new city and I don't know anybody and, you know, is this ever going to be a thing? 
that we're building, but then you just say to yourself, look, I've gone this far, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to turn back now, um, we just keep on, we just keep on building. And so despite the uncertainty and the risks, it sounds like the overall experience has been really rewarding. Um, I, I think there are other listeners or entrepreneurs who may be considering the move um, from one location to another for various reasons, including one that's probably similar to yours. Can you advise or what advice would you give to people who are going through the process of deciding whether it's the right time or it's the right decision to make for them? I'd say just do it. Because to be honest, the more you think about it, you know, the bigger of a decision it becomes, all sorts of factors start playing in. At, at the end of the day, it's very difficult for us to say whether a particular decision at hand is the right or a wrong decision. Like, you don't know it, right, until you do it, and you'd only know it in retrospect, which makes it tough because, you know, you literally, you don't know. It might not be the right one, but you don't know it until you do it. And what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, I thought, well, the worst thing is nothing's going to play out and I'm going to buy a ticket back to Singapore and I'm going to go back there and, you know, do something else, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what's the worst thing really yeah. that can happen? Um, and I think it's way worse to pass on an opportunity and then think about it and say, oh, maybe I should have tried, then actually go and try it. And what I realized also coming to, you know, New York, and there were a lot of people saying, oh, but New York is so competitive and it's so, you have to be really good and there are so many people trying to make it there and it's a very cutthroat environment and whatnot. What I actually realized is quite the opposite. People are people anywhere, right? Like they're nice, they're friendly, they're open. It's no different, you know, meeting new people here than it is meeting new people in Singapore or in Helsinki or somewhere else. Um, so I think it's it's not like you're moving to the moon, right? Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I think you know. So I think the, the longer you think about it, and the more you try to weigh the pros and cons, the more complex it, it gets. At some point, you just have to say, you know what, I'm just gonna do it. That's really great advice. Can you maybe just talk about some of the major? product milestones you've reached so far. I know you're continuously iterating um, and, and maybe your future vision for, for Zook. You mentioned that you you got some funding, funding from Antler. So I, I don't know if you're fundraising right now or have plans of fundraising at some point soon. Yeah, so we're, we're still kind of very much in the pre-state stage, but in the past eight, so we've been now building this for eight months, which kind of seems like eight years in a way. It's like, oh, we've only been doing this for less than a year. Um, and so I'm really proud of what we've achieved so far. We've got the first beta of the platform out. We've got 500,000 podcasts in the database, got our first clients and our first revenue, have really exciting brands uh, and agencies that have signed up for kind of the early access of version two, which is now in the making, and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be able to release that by the end of Q1. That's uh, our goal. Um, and right now we are kind of going out there and speaking with um, some investors about some further pre-seed funding just to accelerate that growth. We do still a lot of things manually right now, so we kind of have a combination of using the platform and then a layer of manual work to make sure that the matches are relevant. And so we obviously want to move away from that and mm-hmm. automate many more things. 
which is what the version two of the platform is going to make possible. Um, and so hopefully with some additional pre-seed funding, we'll be able to then scale up that traction and to, to actually start seeing a, a more steady growth. Anna, just one last question on my part. So there is a club in Singapore called Zook, which sounds very similar to the name of your company. Where does the name of your company come from? Oh, that's a good question. We get these questions all the time, and I think they, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the name actually divides opinions. There are people who love it and people who absolutely hate it. Actually, the name was a bit of a placeholder first when me and my co-founder started the company, and we you know, were prepared to pitch to Anders Investment Committee, and we just needed a name. We knew we didn't want to be pod or cast anything. Like 99% <laughs> of the companies are called something like that, and it's very confusing. And we said we both actually have uh, family backgrounds in Eastern Europe, and uh, Zvuk is actually, it means sound in uh, many Eastern European languages. So we said, hey, you know what, it's a funky word, let's just call it Zvuk for now, and it's going to be a placeholder, and we'll change it later, and that just never happened. And we kind of rolled with it, and we feel it's, it's fun, and, you know, it, it's a good icebreaker when we uh, say the name, and we kind of have to uh, have to spell it out. <laughs> I love it. That's that's such a cool story. Awesome. So I know we're coming to an end now, and we talked about how the the podcasting industry is just experiencing this exponential growth. And like you said earlier, even big companies are starting to pay attention to the space, right? With 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 Spotify acquiring Content Studio Gimlet, and I think an Anchor, and um, I think they also acquired the True Crime Network uh, podcast for a combined four hundred million dollars or so. So we're really excited for what the future holds for Zvook. We wish you all the best. I'm sure we'll be talking more. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. I love your podcast. So <laughs> keep, on, keep on rocking. <laughs> so for those who'd like to get in touch with you or would like to get to know more about Zvook, what would be the best way? Awesome. So you can go to our website, zvook.co. So that's Z-V-O-O-K.co. Um, if you're a podcaster or if you're a brand, you can actually sign up for um, for that beta platform, or you can just reach out to me, Anna, at zvook.co. Uh, I'm also pretty active on social media, um, you know, Instagram, uh, Anna Ratala. Uh, you can find me there. Um, you know, just reach out, say hi. I'm like super happy always to hear from people, be it with regards to podcasting or just with regards to entrepreneurship, right? Founder life. Uh, you know, talking about experiences. I've also felt it's been super, super helpful and useful to speak with other founders, uh, you know, other female founders or just, you know, any founders that have gone through certain, um, you know, hurdles. Peer support is the best kind of support. Awesome. Well, we'll include those links in the episode notes and make sure to check those out for those of you who are listening. As always, send us an email at fourofakindpodcast at gmail.com. So that's four spelled out F-O-U-R for any questions. Or if you just want to say hi, you can also follow us on Instagram at fourofakindpodcast. Again, spelled that four out as F-O-U-R for any updates. And don't forget to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks again to our guests, Anna Ratala, to my co-host, Michelle, and to all of you for tuning in. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye. Bye.